ready to worship the Lord. Uh, if you have a hymn book, you can find the song in your hymn book. The song is simply entitled The Unclouded Day, uh, or you can literally watch it on your screens uh, this morning. So let's worship the Lord together.
for scripture and prayer as Brother Marion makes his way this morning. How many looking for that uncloudy day? I'm looking for it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Psalms 107. I just want to read a couple scriptures. Bible teaches us to give thanks unto the Lord for he is good for his mercy endure forever he says let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he had redeemed from the hand of the enemy verse 31 says oh that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders at this time, I'd like to go to the Lord in prayer and give you opportunity to pray and praise the Lord. Let us all pray. Our Father, again, we're thankful, Lord, to be in your house. Lord, we're thankful for your presence. Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you just have your way, Lord, in this service today, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your hand that's been upon us all throughout this week. Lord, in return, Lord, we want to come together, Lord, as a body of believers with lifted up hands, lifted up hearts, giving you thanks, giving you praise, and giving you all glory. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would touch and minister at this hour, Lord, and everything that's said and done, Lord, would be pleasing, pleasing to Almighty God. Father, we thank you for all that you're going to do, Lord, for we give you all the praise in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's remain standing this morning. Simply the song simply says, This is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Aren't you thankful to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Amen. Let's sing it together.
Father, we welcome you in this place today. For he became sin who
Father, we love you today. Father, we thank you that you are a very present help in time of trouble. Father, we love you because you do care. You've been a friend that has been closer than a brother. You are our dearest and best friend. So, Jesus, we do love you because you are Alpha and Omega, the, the first and the last. Jesus, we love you because you have been our strong tower. Lord Jesus, we love you because you have been sheltering us from harm and been our refuge in the time of storm. Jesus, we love you just because of who you are today. Father, as we get ready to break the bread of life, I pray today that you would speak to the hearts of the believers today. You would help us hear what thus saith the word of the Lord. Open ears, open eyes, open hearts to be receptive to your word today. We love you and praise you. And all God's people together said, Amen Amen and Amen. You may be seated briefly in the presence of the Lord. If you are a part of Children's Church, we're going to ask you to leave to my right, excuse my left, to your right, real quick. Like, let me quickly uh, tell you about a couple things. Oh, the screens are going crazy. There we go. Parents, please sign your children out. Don't let them stay. But the good news is this: if you happen to leave them today, we're giving you a second opportunity to come pick them up. Because tonight we start back with Sunday night worship. I can't tell you how excited I am for us to be able to get back in church on Sunday nights. Anybody else excited about being able to come back to church on Sunday nights? I am excited to be back at church on Sunday nights. It's been such a long time. Seems like it's been forever since we've had Sunday night service. But starting tonight, 6 p.m., Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your dogs, tell your cats, tell your co-workers. In fact, go invite somebody at the restaurant today. I don't care who they are. Just tell them we're back on Sunday nights at 6 p.m. We've got a full worship set ready for you. We'll have a message tonight. It's going to be an exciting time. I am excited to be back in the house of the Lord uh, more than just once a day. I am super excited about that. Also, don't forget to uh, download the Our Church app in Google Play and the Apple Store. Uh, you can also uh, just download that, type in Santee Circle COG. Don't forget, you can follow us uh, on the website uh, at SanteeCircleCOG.org. You can find out all the information going on at church and all that kind of stuff and keep up with us. Don't forget, if you haven't already done so, you can give this morning's tithes and offerings uh, in the wooden boxes to my right. My left, also immediately out of the uh, rear of the auditorium there as well. Also, uh, you can give multiple ways. Uh, we have multiple avenues. You can give, uh, you can give online. Uh, you can give uh, out on the uh, church app. You can give in person. You can also mail it. We, too, take mail. We have a, we have a post, uh, excuse me, we have a physical mailing address, 1211. North Highway 52, Monk's Corner, South Carolina. You can mail it, and we'll be glad to, to help with that. So you can't say, well, Pastor, I don't know how I'm going to give to the church. Four ways. I can't make it much simpler than that. In-house, in the mail, online. I mean, if you just if you can't give that way, you just don't want to give. There's just not a way about it. I mean, there's no other way about it. But God is good. Also, we have now uh, have our own uh, podcast. You can go to Apple Podcast or Google Podcast and simply look up Santee Circle COG, and immediately you can 
download and hear all of the sermons of every week. So you got multiple avenues. You can watch us on YouTube. You can watch us on Facebook. If you don't, I mean, you just, if you don't want to hear the word of the Lord, if you can't hear the word of the Lord, it's not because we didn't give you opportunities. You just don't want to. There's plenty of platforms. But let me say this as a nice plug for Sunday night and everything else. There's nothing like being in the house for church, though. Facebook and YouTube and the podcast should only be either A, to go back and rewatch it, or if you're providentially hindered, you can't come, then you can still be a part of church. But it does not replace what it's like to be in-house for the house of the Lord. It's not the same. All of our online streamers, we're so glad to have you. I know Miss Jamie Bennett Haley is streaming in today. She is having to sit with her grandmother, Sister Colleen Antley, uh, today because Miss Deborah had some prior obligations. So, Miss Jamie, we miss you. I know you're there watching. We miss you, but we love you. All of the rest of you that are streaming online right now, we welcome you. Can we give our online viewers a welcome this morning to church? All right. Are you ready to hear the word of the Lord today? All right. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Luke chapter 14, the gospel of Luke chapter number 14. We're going to read various passages of Scripture. Once you have it, if you'll stand for the reading of God's word. Today in the house of the Lord, we're going to read a little bit today, continuing our series on salt. We're going to read just a few passages of scripture here in Luke, and then we have two verses in Math, excuse me, in Mark's gospel that we want to bring to your attention today as well. Luke chapter number 14, verse 34 is where we will begin reading. Here's what the word of the Lord says. Salt is good. It's good. However, if the salt has lost its savor or its effectiveness, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land, nor is it fit for the dunghill. I shouldn't have to explain, but that is literally a field of waste is what that is in the Bible. It said when salt loses its effectiveness, it's not fit for anything. Can I tell you, when we as Christians lose our effectiveness, we're not really fit for the kingdom as well. We're not fit. But men cast the salt out. So he that has ears, do what? So, how many of you this morning came to church with ears? Did anybody not come to church with ears? Because if you answer that question with no ears, you are a miracle because you have to have them to hear what I just said. So if you're here this morning and you have these little devices attached to the side of your head like little antennas, that means if you have ears to hear, you should let him hear. So when you leave today, you can't say, well, I didn't get nothing out of church today. If you got ears, you got to let him hear. Notice what Mark says. For everyone shall be salted with fire. It means you're going to go through some difficult times. You're going to go through some difficult seasons. You're going to experience heartache, broken heart. You're going to experience some bad days. But every sacrifice that is offered up to the Lord, every sacrifice with, you know how a sacrifice is consumed? Fire. Every bit of fire, it shall be salted though. With salt. Look at what he says. Another writer is writing. Now remember Luke 
Luke's writing after Jesus has already went on. He's just getting interviews of people. Mark would have been a little boy, but his mama and some of them would have probably been some of the followers of Jesus. So it's not a coincidence that the two guys say somewhat the same thing. Mark says, you know what, salt is good. But if the salt loses its saltiness or its intended purpose, effectiveness, wherewith shall it be seasoned? Have salt in yourselves and peace with one another. Now, look at what Mark said different than Luke. Luke said, if you got ears here, look at what Mark said. Mark said, have salt in yourself, meaning you better be effective for the kingdom of God because if you're not effective, you're not any good anywhere than salt is not good when it's lost its effectiveness. You must have salt in yourself and not, well, if you want to, notice the key word and. Have salt in yourself and have peace with one another. If you can't get along with your brother and sister in the faith, you have lost your effectiveness for the kingdom. If you can't live at peaceably, live peaceably with one another, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. Have salt in yourself, but you also have to live in peace with one another. So if you come to church today and you got an ought with your brother, you better not leave this place with that ought because that's causing you damage spiritually when you leave this place. You better have peace with God and with man today. Father, I pray you would bless the reading of this word. Lord, I pray. You would open up the ears and the hearts of men and women to hear what thus saith the word of the Lord. Father, I pray you would hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Lord, let everything that I say in word and deed, God, let it be go forth, not because I am a man of eloquent words, but God, I am a humble vessel used by you to proclaim what thus saith the word of an almighty God. I want today ears and hearts and eyes to be open to God. Receive the word of the Lord today. Lord, We I know nothing can be done, accomplished, except if you are in control and design it to be to accomplish what you want it to be today. I submit myself to you, and I submit these people into your hands in this moment and this secrecy of this hour. In Christ's holy and precious name, I do pray and let the church of the Lord say, Amen and Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord today. Hallelujah. We are continuing talking about this idea of salt. See, salt is, according to Luke and to Mark, salt is good. It's good. But when salt is no longer effective, it's useless. I am afraid that we are living in a day and hour that the church has lost its effectiveness in this world. Therefore, if we've lost our effectiveness, that means if salt, the Bible said, loses its effectiveness, it's useless. That, that would only, sub, to me, must mean that if the church is losing its effectiveness, we're slowly becoming useless. Come on, somebody. Act like you know what I'm saying today. See, it's one thing to talk about what used to be. But used to be doesn't help us where we are right now. Now, 
We used to have people get saved. That don't help people getting saved right now. That means people still need to be saved today. The Bible said today is the day of salvation. Not yesteryear. It says today. Don't put off tomorrow what you can do today. Today is the salvation of the Lord. Well, we used to see people filled with the Holy Spirit. That's good. But that doesn't help us. But so much today because there are sons and daughters in the faith that don't have it today that need the Holy Spirit. The Bible said in the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even upon the male servants and handmaidens of the Lord will I pour out my spirit. That should be today, church. Today. But where is it? Why is it not happening? Well, I'll tell you why. The church has become powerless because we've become prayerless in the house. See, you most people think that we put on this cute little program and have all these outlined programs that we schedule Brother Randy or Pastor Art or Brother Marion to come up here and to get some face time to read you a scripture and to pray. No, it's not to fill time, church. We don't do that to just fill time. I'm not here to waste your time. I bring it because I think there's something to be said about letting the word of the Lord be spoken to the people of God and letting God's word speak for himself before anybody else speaks. I also believe when the man or woman of the Lord stands behind this sacred lectern and they say, let's join together in prayer, there's something to be said when two or three come together as agreeing is touching one thing. That's when he's in the midst, church. That's why we pray. Salt. You see, we find Genesis 19:26, as we talked about the other week, Lot's wife turning into the pillar of salt. In Leviticus 2 and Ezekiel 43, we find that every requirement of the sacrifices of God had to do with salt. Salt had to be a part of the ritual sacrifices. In fact, Leviticus 2 and 13 says, Every offering of grain that you shall present shall be seasoned with salt. You will not allow the salt of the covenant of your God to be lacking from your offering. God knew the value of salt. Salt was used in burnt offerings, in incense, and in temple worship. In Numbers and Chronicles, the Bible tells us that salt was used as a covenant of friendship. It was known as the covenant of salt. Psalms 107, Job 39, Jeremiah 17 refer to salt lands, which is a metaphorical name of desolate no man's land, like a place that is desolate or has no life. In fact, in the ancient times, when a city was uh, defeated, the victorious nation would go throughout the city that they had just burnt down and they would symbolically, they would take salt and throw it over it to literally say this is a wasteland. They would throw salt out there on purpose to say we pretty much have destroyed you completely and eradicated you from the face of this earth. Ezekiel 16 tells us that there was a ceremonial process that when a newborn baby was born that they would have a, a, a salt bath, if you will, to symbolic, symbolize purification, that salted bath. In the New Testament, the, the, the idea of salt is oftentimes correlated and goes hand in hand with the word light, salt and light. 
be a light set up on a hill to show salt. If the salt loses its effectiveness, salt and light went together. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all talked about the effectiveness of salt losing its taste. This probably is to talk about the contamination of the gospel and how if we're not careful, the enemy will come and we will lose our appetite for the word of God. We'll lose our appetite for prayer. We'll lose our appetite for fasting. We'll lose our appetite. But I wish that some people here this morning would say with the pastor, I'd rather lose a physical appetite of a cheeseburger or a steak, but I'm willing to give up the physical appetite so my spiritual appetite with the Lord is deeper and stronger and more powerful than it's ever been. I'll push away the plate. I'll push away the television. I'll push away the iPads or the iPods. I just want more of you, Jesus. Nothing else matters. I just want you. I just want you. Colossians 4 and 6 tells us that salt should be a seasoning used of speech to be spoken with intelligence and consideration. I read it to you today that the salt that the Bible talked about, that you should salt the offerings and you should have salt within yourselves. You see, I already spoke to you a couple weeks ago about the influence of salt. A couple weeks ago we discussed how salt will affect everything around it. We also talked about the preservation of salt and how literally... This salt will preserve anything that it's in its care. But today, if I just had for a moment with you, I want to talk the next part. I want to talk about how salt will cleanse you. Salt will cleanse you. In fact, salt is used as a mechanism to help with infections and to keep things sterile so you don't end up with some major infection in your body. When you get a canker sore in the side of your mouth or something of that nature or any kind of damage to the inside of your mouth, oftentimes they'll always tell you to gargle with warm. Why salt? Because it's helping to clean out the impurities and keep that from getting infected. It is cleansed. Can I tell you over 2,000 years ago, God sent somebody from heaven, the salt of heaven, the salt of all eternity came down and he died on an old rugged cross so that I could be cleansed from every filthy sin, every bad decision, every walk of life I've messed up. There is a God that came and set his son free to die on a cross and be resurrected so I could be cleansed and have made wholeness of life. I told you that last week that it's hard for you to tell your children, your grandchildren, and other people how to live life when you've led them to the life they're in. I told you it's really hard for Lot to have his witness to be uh, effective when he actually led his family to Sodom and Gomorrah. See, our decisions have consequences for the next generation that follow. The next generation's watching us. So it may not be whether or not it's important for you, but you might make the next generation screw up along the way. In fact, there's a mountain in the Palestinian area called the Mount of Sodom. Over the years, these various rock formations have formed. Pay attention very carefully to this rock formation right there. I'm going to show you some more pictures. You see it again somewhere? Right there. 
These are different aerial shots. Do you see it again? Right there. These are different pictures. They're all taken from different angles. You see it again? Right there. This formation has changed over time, but it has kept over time the sediments and the erosion of, of the rocks have, have etched out this shape. Most people looked at that shape and the inhabitants of that area of Mount Sodom. They began to look at that picture and someone said, it actually kind of has a shape of a human to it. So they branded this rock, if you will, and classified it. Do you know the name that they gave this rock? Lot's wife. Google it. This rock formation is called Lot's wife. You can go right now to Mount Sodom in Palestine and look that up and you will find Lot's wife. It is on the edge of the mountain. So when you look out across the valley... You see that still standing at the top of the hill. It serves as a memento or a memorial for everybody who looks at it. They remember what happened on this hill. Where Sodom and Gomorrah used to stand. Can I tell you something? 2,000 years ago somebody else got on top of a hill. And they made a memorial too of themselves. They didn't go to Mount Sodom and Gomorrah. But they did go to a place called Golgotha's hill. And all throughout the valley, everybody could see a monument that was at the top of a hill. But this monument wasn't just a rock formation. No, it was the rock of salvation instead. It was the rock of all rocks. And on that old rugged cross, there hung a man that said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing right now. It is the same man who looked. To a thief who was cursing on one side and another one who was trying his best to be repentant on his deathbed. And he looked at him and said, my brother, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the same man that said, Father, into my hands I commit my spirit. And he looked first at heaven and then his eyes in love looked down through the dirt and made eye contact with the devil himself and said, devil, it is Finished. I'm done. I did it. It's over. Why? Because salt still cleanses the body. Can I tell you what the church of the living God needs today? We need a good old-fashioned cleansing of the body. We need the Holy Ghost to come in and cleanse some stuff up. Take that sin out of the church. Take that way we're living out of the church. We need some cleansing in the body of Christ. You know why the church is powerless and prayerless and got issues? Because we've allowed sin to come into the church. And because we've allowed sin to come in the church, we put them on pedestals and raise them up for the world to see and say, oh, look, well, our new director of this and director of that, we put them in positions knowing, knowing they're not living the way they should for God. We elevate them. We promote them. We put them on staff. We put them over leadership positions knowing they're not where they need to be with God. We need a cleansing, not of the world. Yes, we do need a purging of the world. But the Bible says judgment doesn't begin in the world. It says judgment begins at the house of the Lord before we can fix Washington, before we can fix Democratic, Republican, Tea Party, Communism, before we can fix the world. we got to fix ourselves, church. we got to fix us. 
We need a cleansing. We need a change. In fact, Leviticus 24 and 14. Whomever blasphemes and curses the Lord, let them be drug out of the city and stoned. This was a Levitical law. Anyone who blasphemed the name of God, the only punishment God gave was they must be taken out of the city and stoned. I'm going to teach you something that you may not have ever known or have ever thought of before. Now, I can't promise you that every uh, biblical scholar uh, has come to this same assessment. A lot have. Some still say that that's, that may not be true, but, but I believe this could be true. Anybody ever heard the story of David and Goliath? Anybody know how David killed Goliath? Anybody? Stone. Anybody know how many he had in his pouch? Five. He had one for Goliath. Do anybody know how many other giants David had to defeat in his lifetime? Four more. They were actually called the brothers of the giant of Gath. That means David had a stone for every descendant of Goliath. Because David knew you can't just take out one generation and fix the problem. Sometimes you've got to annihilate the whole problem from the ground up. You can spray disinfectant or some kind of killer on weeds. But you know what weeds will do if you don't? do the right thing, they'll come back up. You know the only way to get rid of a weed? Pull it up from the root so it doesn't have traction anymore. you got to literally get it out of the dirt. See, the problem is we in the church, we're just here trying to do cosmetic work on the surface. Well, let me just snip a little bit of the dead leaves on the top. Maybe nobody will notice. But down under, so the Bible said, Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said, you look like whitewashed tombs. You got everything cleaned on the outside, but on the inside you're full of dead man's bones. You got this nice cup and plate that looks, but inside the cup and plate is filthy dirty. He said, you don't just wash the outside. You got to make sure the inside's covered. We're all about making sure our outward looks good. We can come to church all dressed up. We can drive our nice car, but if inside of you is filthy, you wasted your time. See, the problem is you can't fix the problem except from the inside out. You've got to pull it up from out of the dirt. But have you ever noticed why David would use a stone? Why? Well, you have to read the whole story to understand why a stone was needed. In fact, David could have took a javelin or a spear and tried to throw it at him, but it probably wouldn't have affected him because he was fully covered in armor. The probability and the likelihood of slinging a stone from me to that back door and hitting it on a bullseye target every time on the first try is very unlikely. Very unlikely. The Bible didn't say David took five or six shots and finally got one right. He did it right with the first one. Because the Spirit of the Lord directed the stone. But why did the Spirit of the Lord direct the stone? Because you have to understand why it was a stone. What did I say? Leviticus 24 and 14. Whoever blasphemes or curses the name of the Lord, let them be led out of the city in stone. Do you know where Goliath and David had their battle? Outside the city. The armies were camped on each side of the valley and they met. And on the top of the hill, Goliath would come up and he would say... Hey, choose you this day someone to basically defy the armies of the Lord. Choose you a, a valiant warrior this day. If they defeat me, we will serve you. But if I defeat them, you will serve us. And the Bible said he would daily go up and defy. Go back and read it. He would defy the armies of the Lord. In fact, when David shows up, David says to him, 
Basically, I've come to take you out. The Bible said, Goliath said, do you intend to treat me as a dog and come out and fight me with a stick? And the Bible says that he blasphemed. Some translations say he cursed the name of the God of Israel. That was a bad mistake to do, Goliath. Because there's only one way you handle people that defy and blaspheme. What did I say you have to do to them? You have to stone them. What Goliath didn't bank on is inside David's pouch. David was already prepared for battle. The Bible said he defied, he cursed the name of the Lord, and David said, I've come, it will not be you that feeds me to the birds of the air, but it will be I through the name of the Lord God, the host of heaven's armies and of Israel. I will defeat you today. And he took the stone the only way that you could handle blasphemy. He took the stone, he sent it on a trajectory, and he defeated the enemy. Can I tell you, if God be for you, then who can be against you? If you'll stand on the promises of God's word and you'll do what thus saith the word of the Lord, God will bring about victory in our lives. In our lives. David becomes king. The Bible says, 1 Peter 2 and 5, you have become living stones that are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood and offer spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. You see, David, the Bible said, was a man after God's own heart. David sat down day by day, moment by moment. All he wanted was more of Jesus Christ. He would sit out there in the field waiting for the lion and the bear and all of the animals to come take his sheep. But while he waited, he played. He played things like, the Lord is my shepherd. Isn't it fitting that a shepherd would understand what a shepherd does? David sat days and days out there in the field watching sheep all day long. So as he's sitting there watching the little ewe lambs bounce across the pasture land and eating the grass, David begins to write, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He'll make me lie down in these green pastures. He'll lead me beside that still water. He'll restore my soul. If I let him, he'll lead me in paths of righteousness. For his namesake. You know, yesterday that lion and that bear came and tried to take that sheep, but I was able to defeat it. You know what? If God's my shepherd, yea, though I may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear evil. For just because like yesterday when I was here with my sheep to protect them, just like that, if God is my shepherd, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear evil, for he will protect me. His rod and his staff will comfort me. In fact, he'll prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup will run it over. You know, come to think about it, while I'm sitting out here just spending time with the Lord, surely his goodness and mercy does follow me every day. I can't wait to get to church on Sunday and tell him about it because I will dwell in the house of the Lord just occasionally once a month. Is that what your Bible says? Oh, I'm sorry. It must have said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord on CEMs, Christmas, Easter, and Mother's Day. That's the days I'll come. That's it? Oh, okay. Uh, I will dwell in the house of the Lord only when the pastor's offering something for free. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. So some people are already in, in di uh, diametric opposition to the word of the Lord because they haven't been to church. So they're already walking in disunity from God. 
I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, not when it's convenient. You know, coming to church sometimes is not always convenient. Okay, only three of y'all have ever had a problem in church on Sunday, apparently. I have. About six months ago, I was on my way to church, split my pants right down the middle. On my way. I had two choices. I could have came, really awkwardly, or I could be late and go home and put on other clothes. So I thought you would prefer me to go home, put on a different suit. I was late, but I did have clothes that fit that time. That was an inconvenience that Sunday. A couple weeks after that, I woke up, getting dressed, showered, everything was going good. For those of you that know anything about the preacher, I am very finicky about my appearance. I'm very finicky. I want my clothes pressed. I want them looking good. I want deodorant on. I will sometimes put on deodorant on top of deodorant just because I want to make sure it's on. Okay? I'll put it on, go do something else, come back and put more on like it changed in, in translation. I want to make sure. I get out of the shower. I have a methodical step process how I do my hair. It is very methodical. And any time that gets out of proportion, it is not a good Sunday or a good day. I put the first level of hair care product in my hair to be ready to go. It was like the conditioner aspect of it. And I reached under my vanity to grab the final product. See, some of y'all were here that Sunday. God bless y'all. Hairspray. I had the can. I grabbed it. Squeeze the trigger. You know what I got? What I had put in my hair would not suffice to hold me through the day because after that conditioner would have kind of settled, I would have got hair similar to Don King. It would have just real quick like, like a puffy pad. I'm not a big fan of that style of hair. I don't get natural perms. My hair naturally perms itself. It just up the top. So I had to go quickly and get it. I was smart though. Right now in my office, underneath my desk, I have a can of hairspray at home, but I will never be called on the way to church again. I have hairspray supplies in my office just in case one Sunday it gets bad. I'm prepared. My point in saying all of this David spent his time out there preparing and making sure everything about his life was in order with the Lord. We have to understand, in order to be cleansed out from the things that have infected the church, the only way you can clean out something that's infected is you've got to prepare the wound site for the antibiotic or the antiseptic. If you don't do nothing to infection, it spreads. Hello? If you don't handle infection quickly, it will spread, church. We can't expect to allow sin and things to happen within the body of Christ. If we don't address it, it will spread like cancer throughout the body and destroy the body. We have to be cleansed. But I also want you to understand, salt heals. See, the first part I told you, it cleanses. It makes sure all the impurities are out of the way. Right? But another thing that's kind of got like a two-step process, not only is it cleaning out infection and cleaning it out, but it's also speeding up or helping the wound to heal. Anybody ever put salt in a wound before? 
boy, that sucker will burn. Now, let me read this to you really quickly. Let me find it once again. I want to make sure. Let's read this. For everyone shall be salted. Is fire really pleasantful to touch? When you're going through the fiery trials of life, are you enjoying those? I don't. Maybe you're a little bit different than the preacher this morning, but I'm going to be brutally honest. I don't like going through bad seasons. Sometimes that burning, sometimes fire consumes, it burns things. You know what salt does when you put it in a wound? It burns. You will know how quickly you are saved once it hits that wound. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We'll know what's in your heart in that moment. Some folks, this is going to sound comical, but it's also sad but true. Some folks actually shout more when salt gets put in a wound than they do when they're in church on Sunday morning. You let that sink in for a minute. Some people are more vocal about a physical wound that got salt or alcohol poured in it than they are on Sunday morning to a God who saved them. Hello. That's good preaching even if you're not here today. Okay? I'm just telling you. We can go to ball games. Jesus, don't help me go here. I was doing so good. We can go to a baseball game, basketball game. We can go to a football game. In fact, 63% of you in here are waiting for college football season to start because you're hoping your Clemson Tigers repeat as a national champion here before too long. I'm praying for you because that's not of God. Unless you're praying for the University of South Carolina, you still need prayer. But because, but because the scripture says, I have to live at peace with one another, I'm going to still be your friend. Because I have to. That was the scripture today. But some of you, under the sound of my voice, I, I, I hate to even tell you this, because some, some of you are going to feel convicted real quick. Some of y'all are better coaches than the coach on the TV. Come on, somebody. Y'all be sitting there watching the game. And y'all start yelling like they can hear through the television what you told them to do. He's coming for you. Go the other way. Like he heard that. Well, why didn't you throw the ball? Like he heard that. Well, that coach is stupid. That was the stupidest play design. Doesn't he know better than that? Hmm, like he heard that too. How much money does he get paid? He needs to get fired. He don't even know what he's doing. Like he heard that too. We sit there, we, we critique, we coach, we get excited. But I also would tell you today, as Miss Carol begins to make her way, that some people have lost their ability to shout and give God praise because they're still nursing hurts that they're not letting be made whole. Some people won't give God praise because they would rather nurse their as they would rather hold on to their wounds and nurse them rather than let them be healed in Jesus' name. I'm going to give you the deepest theological statement I have ever met. The greatest theologian outside of Charlie Brown that I have ever quoted to you 
is coming from a nice, beautiful, blonde-headed young lady, kind of, well, almost red-headed, I guess, but has blonde hair. Her name is Elsa. She starred in the popular movie Frozen, for those of you who have ever seen this movie. Elsa gives us the greatest theological thing you could ever heard. Some things in life you have to do, two things. Actually, three words, but let it go. Some things you got to let it go. you got to let it go. We can't go back and fix what happened 30 years ago. We can pray for you, but sometimes eventually you have to let it go. Because wounds that don't heal, they become infected and they begin to destroy and become neurotic. You remember the story of Samuel's mother, Hannah? Hannah went every year to the church to pray. Every time to pray. And she only had one request. God, give me a child. God, give me a child. God, give me a child. And year after year, she left with disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. One year, though, she stayed so long, she tarried, she waited. In fact, the pastor thought she was drunk. He went over there to try to get her out of church because he thought she was disruptive. And she's like, no, I'm praying to God. He said, well, whatever it is, you're praying for God. If you'll just leave, God will give it to you. He was ready to go eat. (laughs) In the fullness of time, she brings up a baby boy. She brings him to dedicate him to the same temple she had prayed. She named this little boy Samuel. She went so far as to dedicate him not only to God, she let him live at church. Don't get any ideas. I'm not taking your kids. I'm not. I have my own. I, I can't do that. She left him at church. She said, son, you ain't going to go out in the world. You're going to live at church, bless God. You're never going outside of this place. She had suffered ridicule from family and friends this entire time prior to having this baby. She constantly lived down the lies. But she vowed she would give God the child back. You see, in order to finally reach our destination with God, we have to understand we must keep growing. Because the Bible said every year, Miss Brenda, she would make a new new cloak or a new jacket for Samuel. And she'd take him new clothes every year. Because she knew he probably outgrew last year's wardrobe because he was growing. We cannot as a church stop growing or we'll start dying. Start dying. The garment of praise has to be constantly put on or we're going to die. The garment of worship has to constantly be put on or we're going to die. We have to grow. Not just numerically. We've got to grow spiritually. We've got to keep going or we're going to die. You see, I, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that the church today has become a nursery. I'm not talking about a plant nursery. I'm talking about a little baby nursery. You know what a little baby nursery is designed to do? Hold babies. Coddle them. Pacify them. Change them when they need to be changed. I'm afraid that the universal church of the living God has become a spiritual nursery. All churches seem to be doing nowadays are maintaining, pacifying, trying to nurse people. Oh, I don't want to hurt the feelings. Trying to nurse everybody's little wound. Coddle them. Hold them. Change things just for them. 
rather than taking the pacifier from them and saying, now you're on your own. You need to grow in your own faith. You need to read your own Bible. You need to pray your own prayer of faith. You have to make a decision now. See, that's why growth is not happening. God doesn't want 30-year-old babies spiritually. If you've been saved 30 years, you should still be drinking milk. You should be eating the meat of God's Word by now. The Bible says, the Apostle Paul said, he said, some of you are on milk, but some of y'all need to come off of it and start eating meat. Y'all been on the milk way too long. You would think it's weird if a 10 or 11 year old kid was still being bottle fed rather than eating on their own. Except spiritually, we obviously don't think it's weird that we've got people that's been saved 10, 12, 20 years and they're still wanting to be bottle fed rather than feast on the manna and meat of God's word. See, some of us have coddled our hurts, our pain. We have nursed them. We have nurtured them. We have made sure that, if you will, everybody knows we're hurt. You know how you know how most of the time people know someone's hurt? They don't have to really look very far because people that get hurt, they go tell everybody how hurt they really are. <laughs> that sounds just like a little kid throwing a temper tantrum. They're going to blame it on somebody else. Not here, but in other places I've served. I'm going to tell you, I've had plenty of people come by nursing their hurts, saying things like this. Well, Pastor... 30-something years ago, in this same church 30 years ago, Sister So-and-so said something to me and hurt my feelings. Okay. She still go to church here? No, Pastor. She died 25 years ago, but I'm still upset about it. Why don't you go down to the grave site? You and her have a heart-to-heart. If she happens to say something back to you, you let me know. But y'all work it out down there at, at uh, Crestlawn Memorial Gardens, okay? See, that's funny. Except it's really not. Because that's how we are sometimes. I've heard people say, Brother Barnes, well, I remember when people used to get saved at church. God breaks my heart because what they're really saying is they don't think that it's still possible today. We can always say, boy, I remember the day people got saved, but we should not stop there. We should say, but boy, I'm praying God will do it again. See, most people want to live over here. Well, I remember what used to be. I remember what they used to say. See, there comes a point we have to keep going. Salt is good. But when salt loses effectiveness it's useless so here's my challenge today and we'll pick up the last part of this series next week what is it in your life today that needs to have a re-seasoning if you will spiritually have you lost your cutting edge have you have you lost your your ability to to be effective for the kingdom of god or, or maybe maybe you're you're hurt you don't have to tell me what the hurt is. Maybe physical, maybe emotional, maybe spiritual. Maybe you come here today and you've got a heaviness of heart. You've been hurt in some capacity. Give it to God. Give it to God. Because if you're not careful, it'll destroy you. It will destroy you. Now today, I know before we get 
into this time of consecration. We already have needs that have been presented in the body. So Patricia Lambert wants us to pray for some of her family. Prayer cloth. We're going to pray for April. April has had an incredible opportunity afforded her. She had recently left one job and due to the challenges of not being able to come to church. And she said, Pastor, I, I'm to the point now that I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm going to take another job so I can be in church. She already started this other job. Somebody reached out to her from another food, which is what she knows how to do, food industry. Said, look, we're going to, if you're interested, we're going to send you to Kansas for a while. Do a couple weeks worth of training. If you'll come back and be the general manager of one of our stores. It'll be, she said, well, you know, just kind of ballpark. What's the, you know, while I pray about it, what's the salary? She's going to make more than she made at her previous two jobs to take this job. And they told her she doesn't have to work Sundays. I don't make this stuff up. I can't make this up. This is just facts. What you commit to God, God will keep it and entrust it back into your care. So we're going to pray for those people today. We're going to pray for our job. We're going to pray for Sister Patricia Lambert. But I also want to pray for you. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, I'm simply going to ask you, if you have a need in your life today, before we pray our prayer of faith and lead today, you say, Pastor, I, this sermon spoke to my heart. I need to put some things under the blood or I need to get some things fixed in my life and I just want to get it all right with Jesus. Will you pray for me? I just simply want you to make your way. I'm going to go ahead and ask Sister Patricia Lambert and I'm going to ask April if they'll go ahead and make their way so that I can pray for them here just for a moment. But if you're here, they're making their way so you're not the only person moving. Say, Pastor, I need to be prayed for today. If you have a need in your life, maybe it's for a loved one, maybe it's for a family member, whatever it is, but you say, Pastor, I need to hear from God today. I want you to make your way this morning. And if you're thinking about it, while we're praying, you still can make your way. But I'm going to ask those that believe in the power of prayer to come join me. We're going to pray for Sister Patricia's family who has got some things going on. They're battling some sickness. They need a touch from the Lord. We're going to pray for them today. We're going to ask God to move on their behalf today. Speak to them. Then we're going to sing our benedictory song. So band and then we'll make their way for us to sing that today. Let's pray together. Father, Father, today we place these anointed cloths in the hands of someone who stands in intercession for her family. She needs a touch from the Lord today for her family. I decree and declare healing to her son and daughter-in-law or her family. I declare healing today. They need a touch in their body. They need to know a God that is a healer. We just said salt's a healer. God, we need the healer to walk into that room today and meet the need today. Let us hear a testimony of a report of what God has done. Father, we pray today for my dear sister. She's getting ready to embark on a new journey and a new walk of life. I pray today you would strengthen her family. Encourage them, keep them safe, bless them. Let this new job be a blessing to her. Let her be a witness to all she comes to God to. Thank you for rewarding her faithfulness. Bless her today. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We glorify your name today. Father, the men and women that stand before me today, 
God, there are men and women today who are wanting to hear a word from God today. Father, today we pray that you would be with them today. Touch them in a powerful and special way. Jesus, wonderful, mighty name, we do pray in all these things we ask in your Son's holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask wherever you are if you would just simply stand all over the house. This has been our motto for the last few weeks. We're continuing this trend. The band ends up making their way here. This is the prayer of the church. Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face toward you and give you Can we declare it so be it today? Church tonight, 